everyone, welcome back. I am financial planner Canna Campbell from Sugar Mama TV. I really hope that you're enjoying all of these podcasts. A lot of time and energy, love and passion goes into making them for you. So if you could take a couple of minutes to write a rating and review, I would greatly appreciate. And of course, if you want to make sure that you always have immediate access to any of my podcasts the moment they're published on a Monday morning, I highly recommend downloading the Podbean app because this is where you get the immediate active live link. You don't need to wait a couple of hours for Google and Spotify and Apple to approve the podcast. All right, let's get cracking with today's podcast. This one is an exciting one. It's one filled with ideas, inspiration, and opportunities. A week ago, I was on one of my Zoom calls, and if you didn't know this, you can actually book in to have a Zoom call with me. They are general advice, purely educationally based, but you get to pick my brain, ask me questions, everything is confidential and judgment-free. I just help explain things to you that you might be so confused or feeling overwhelmed with when it comes to the subject of personal finance. But as I have to stress, none of my calls or Zoom calls are personal advice. Anyway, the other day I had one of my most inspiring and powerful sessions for quite some time. It left me feeling re-energized and excited to say the least. Whilst this conversation was going, I was like alive with so much electricity burning through my body. I just kept on thinking to myself, I wish I was recording this conversation. I wish I was recording this conversation. There's so much power and ideas and inspiration in this conversation. I, at one stage, I actually stopped her and said, God, I wish we were recording this. So I figured after the call ended, I was still high from it. I dropped her an email and said, look, we had such a great conversation and I'm so excited about your future. Do you mind if I turn this into a podcast? And very kindly, she said, absolutely, that I would love you to do that. You know, I can't believe what I've achieved and how good I feel and, and you know, the things that I can do now and, and the faith that you've instilled in me. I'm changing this person's name because obviously I want to protect her privacy. But, you know, for this podcast, we're going to call her Jessica. Now, Jessica is 28 years old. And three years ago, her life was financially very different from where it is today. Jess was drowning in debt, all types of debt. Credit cards, personal loans, student debt. And what's worse is she had absolutely no savings whatsoever. And she was living paycheck to paycheck. She hated what the financial stress was doing to her overall well-being mentally and physically. It didn't match her values and she decided she wanted to do something about it, but something would have to change if she was gonna make that powerful shift. She wanted to live a life with more authenticity that matched her value system. After, I guess, being uh, having a really hard and honest conversation with herself with great bravery and strength, she decided to step up, face the music, and do something about the toxic, depressing financial situation that she was living in and had been living in for quite some time. Jessica went and watched my videos. She read The Thousand Dollar Project and Mindful Money. And she started also reading other qualified financial planning books as well. She financially educated herself. She didn't just go with like what people were telling her and friends were telling her. She actually went to the experts, the people who do this for a living, have formal education, are qualified and licensed to give advice. She started to apply my advice, amongst others, to start fixing her finances. She started with one very simple financial goal, 
and that was to save $1,000 at a time. And the moment she had that $1,000, put it as a lump sum payment towards her debt. Now, whenever I'm having a Zoom conversation with people, I often ask them what their financial goals are. And quite often people who've been drifting through life, you know, they have never had a financial goal. So for having a financial goal is probably one of the first and most exciting and most powerful shifts and breakthroughs as you start to raise your bar financially. Anyway, Jessica simply put her head down, her bum up and stayed the course with her focus of just $1,000 at a time. So as soon as she had that $1,000, she moved it onto the debt and went to the next $1,000. And this is the cool thing about the $1,000 project is, you know, I mean, I use it to help build long-term passive income, but people use it to pay for IVF, to pay off debt, to help save up for their first home, to pay off student debt. I've even had people do it to help pay for cosmetic surgery. It's your choice. It's your business, what you want to use the $1,000 project for, but it works. And Jess is a testament to that. Anyway, slowly and steadily, she finally paid off all of her debt. She owed no one any money. It took a couple of years. It was so worth it. And with each lump sum of payment she made, which ended up being, because she built momentum, was just so focused and determined, was actually around about $1,000 per week. Yeah, $1,000 per week. And I'll share with you how she did it in a second. And every time she transferred that $1,000 towards one debt and crossed them off the list and moved on to the next one, each time she felt more weight come off her shoulders and more of her true character and being shining through each time. It was like she was going from strength to strength and felt lighter and she was living a life aligned to the value system that she'd been hiding behind with all this debt. And quite often, you know, we use debt as a mask, just like people use other forms of abuse. And it felt great. And she realized like who she was and learned a lot about herself and what she stood for deep down, which is very powerful personal growth. And that is not uncommon to have happen as you go through the debt-free journey. Now, just so you know, she was probably one of the most dedicated people I've ever interviewed in, in getting out of debt. Uh, she made some serious sacrifices. She took a second job and worked not just one day per weekend, but the whole entire weekend. Yes, she did get taxed at the highest marginal tax rate for her second job. But if you realize the tax system, it doesn't just tax you for a second job. It's all incremental. So she actually got a really good tax refund back once the ATO averaged out what her total income was for the financial year. So it ended up being forced savings. And again, as the tax refund came through, it went as a lump sum repayment to um, her debtors. And the great thing about this is it's almost like forced savings and she loved it. And, and I'll explain a bit more about this in a second. She also moved back home to her parents. I know not everyone has that opportunity or, or that blessing, but she was lucky and she, she did it. Uh, she worked, as I said, all weekends. And by working on the weekends, there was also like a double savings because, you know, she didn't want to go out shopping to the local supermarkets and shopping centers or go out spending money in bars and restaurants with her friends. She was at work. So that really helped as a double whammy in not only earning money, but also stopped her from spending money, which was great. She also did a budget and she really looked at reducing her daily weekly and fortnightly, monthly and yearly outgoings. She looked at everything. She left no stone unturned. Starting with her mobile phone plan, she 
download, downgraded it from one of those $140 per month unlimited plans to a prepaid 365 day plan. And it only cost her $285. She realized the phone she has is perfectly fine. You know, she doesn't need to have the latest iPhone. She was happy with what she's got. She also did things like she changed her monthly gym membership from switching from a, a monthly plan to a one-year upfront plan and reducing her add-ons with certain classes that she wasn't really enjoying or using to help reduce her cost. She also did some research on her credit card and she discovered that she actually was entitled to a one-year free subscription um, of the of the app which I believe is Chris Emsworth's app called Center and it's like a free exercise programs and as a side hustle she even rented out all those beautiful dresses that had got her into all this debt in the first place so Jessica really hustled her little heart out and it is quite incredible that she managed to pay off such a huge amount of debt in a three-year period once she paid off this debt she almost was like frozen with fear because she was so terrified of undoing all the hard work and repeating history. This is actually something really interesting that she intuitively knew that that was a fear because quite often, and I see this a lot with people who go and refinance debt with personal loans because it's a quick fix. It's, you know, kind of wipes the slate and what tends to happen typically with people who refinance with a personal loan. So they have say $10,000 in credit card debt, panic and go, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Apply for a personal loan of $10,000, clear the credit card. And what tends to happen 99 times out of 100 is those people's habit systems haven't changed. So they go, oh, phew, I've got, you know, that credit card is now cleared. There's nothing owing on it. I've got like a whole year interest free to pay off that personal loan. And they go back to their old habits of using the credit card. A year goes by. I can hear people like, even though they haven't heard this podcast yet, shaking their head going, yep, guilty, guilty. And what happens is because they haven't changed their habit system is they end up 12 months down the track the new interest rate kicks in on that honeymoon rate on the personal loan and they're back in $10,000 worth of credit card debt, sometimes more, sometimes less, but they're now deeper in debt. And this is the problem with this strategy. It doesn't work for everyone because it doesn't actually face the habits, the psychology, um, you know, the, the self-destruction that happens with people who, who play with debt. And that's why I kind of like it when people face the music. It might cost them more in interest it's going to be a lot more painful. It's going to take a lot longer, but you learn the lesson the right way and you learn it once and you don't ever do it again. So it was quite interesting that Jess knew that this potentially was a risk. And so what she decided was she used the fear of that happening again to channel her energy and all those hacks and habits she had mastered by getting out of debt, she decided to use them to save this would never ever happen again and so she continued on working the second job every single weekend saturday and sunday she continued on being very frugal with her living expenses you know staying at home and she started to be able to save a thousand dollars per week and this is one of the cool things about not being in debt anymore all that precious money that you're having to pay off to your debtors within just over a year incredibly she had managed to save $66,000 after paying off all that debt using all the same principles and strategies that got her out of debt. This is what then created $66,000 in savings. 
And again, this is why I love the $1,000 project is because it evolves with you. It evolves with your goals, with where you are in life, and it takes you from strength to strength. So you can use the $1,000 project to get out of debt. Once you're out of debt, use it to build emergency savings. Once you've built your emergency savings, use it to help save for a financial goal, such as a holiday or a home or to start investing or to start retiring. All those things it grows with you. And that's why the $1,000 project, which I run, is, you know, I think five years now I've been doing it and it's like a $200,000 share portfolio. Now this is where I come in because when she hit $66,000 and she saw all this money sitting in her account doing absolutely nothing, she decided it was time to have a chat with me and so she booked her appointment over Zoom with me and at the time she was feeling really overwhelmed surprisingly. She explained everything about me, shared everything with me but she said, can I, you know, my friends are talking about buying a home, my parents are putting pressure on me to buy a home but I would love to buy a home, but I have to look at the reality of my situation and the world that we're living in now. And for me to buy something that I actually like and want to live in is going to cost me over $1 million. And I don't want a million dollar mortgage. I don't want the stress and the restrictions that come with that, especially and as well as the, obviously the financial responsibility. And I'm feeling the stress and pressure from society that you know you should buy a home or you're only wealthy if you own a home and the thing is it's just not what I really want I don't want to be forced into doing something I'm actually really happy if I have to rent for the rest of my life because for me it gives me flexibility and freedom and that choice because I can move overseas I can experience living in different towns and cities and and places and experience different cultures that's what makes my heart sing the thing is just because I don't want to buy a home I don't want to give up on my financial goals. I still want to build something that I'm proud of, but something that is going to actually bring more freedom and flexibility in my life because after going through all this debt reduction and, and saving and really looking at the way I use money and spend money in my life, this is my value system. This is what's important to me. But the problem is I don't know where to start or what to do. All I know is that financial freedom is really important to me and I want to start building something now. I've come so far in getting out of this debt. I've built you know, a substantial amount of savings and I, I want to do this, I'm ready. I asked Jessica, what is your definition of financial freedom? Because what someone's answer of financial freedom is very different from the next. So I wanted to hear from her, what does it look like? How would you start your day? Uh, what does life look like? What would you do during your day? Where would you go? Like, What, what are the things that are really important to you? And she was actually, she'd, she'd read Mindful Money, so she had, she had thought about this a lot and was ready to give me her answer. And she said to me, I love my job, I love my current life, but I just really want one simple thing. And that is to know that by age 65, I can retire and retire completely, no part-time work, but just actually retire, and retire on $80,000 a year in today's dollars before tax. And I want to know that I'm always going to be financially independent. I'm never going to have to rely on any person or any institution such as a government. My money will never run out. I can afford to live a good life, a life with travel, with a little bit of luxuries, being able to afford to donate time and money to charity, being able to have the time and energy to help my family, my parents, if I have children. And, you know, as I said, have a few little luxuries along the way, but most importantly, that my wealth is sustainable. I don't want to ever worry about running out of money, particularly later in life when I'm perhaps a little bit more fragile and I don't have that you know, opportunity to go back to work. Be able to stand on my own two feet is important. 
And it was really interesting hearing this because she was so clear on her goals, which was really refreshing because sometimes we can overwhelm ourselves with lots of different goals. It was so straightforward. And, you know, she touched on her superannuation and she said to me, look, I know you're going to give me a lecture about the importance of superannuation and how, you know, your superannuation is actually your investment portfolio and there's lots of legal tax advantages to superannuation. But to be honest, I just want my goal to be investing right now. I feel like once I figure out this investment part first, I can then like clear the space or clear the deck to then come and go and visit super. But I just need to prioritize fixing this and setting this investment path first before I look at super. I also want to make sure that I got this money, this $66,000, but I use it in a smart, intelligent way where I can help make up for all the lost time and the financial destruction that I did in my past. So I just want to make sure that I'm on track and then I promise you can I'll revisit superannuation do all the right things there but can you, can you just help me with this one block right now so I said look fair enough <laughs> this is your zoom consultation not mine and I was so glad that she got how important superannuation is we continued on talking about investments and I was not there to advise her or recommend any type of investment whatsoever but she had already done a lot of her research herself um, she, as she said she'd read mindful money so she'd seen where I had talked about listed investment companies and ETFs and where I'd even listed a few to go and research so she'd picked out the ones that she had researched and really liked and she'd also followed my advice about doing a risk profile. And she knew that she was a high growth investor and that her time frame, because she was uh, 28, her time frame was well over 30 years. I think it was 37 years to be precise. And she understood market volatility, about intelligent investing, diversification, and the importance of focusing on the long-term goal. Of all the research she'd done, she goes, I get it. Shares appeal to me. I don't have to worry about stamp duty like I would say if I was looking at an investment property strategy. I also like that they're a lot more liquid than property. And I like that I don't have to worry about, you know, all this money being tied up in one asset. I'm being able to like put my money into different companies and different industries where it helps, you know, smooth out that volatility and that risk. It was such an interesting conversation. She was so informed, but she was still sort of frozen in fear. She said to me, look, I don't want to worry about picking individual stocks. I'm not ready for that. Maybe in the future, yes, I'll you know, say I want this banking stock or that supermarket. But right now, I want to just stick to listed investment companies and for Australian shares. And I want to focus on ETFs for international shares. To be honest, like I'm working seven days a week. I don't have time to try and figure out like what stock to buy, what company, what industry, when, how, when, you know, like that's just overwhelming. And I actually list in Mindful Money uh, I can't remember off the top of my head what page it is, but I list a whole pile of listed investment companies and ETFs that I really like. Not that this is advice, but ones that I own personally. And it's just a great starting place to go and start researching. And she had made up her own mind and done her own research. There was definitely no advice there. And she understood that. All right. So what did I do? Well, first of all, I worked out how much emergency money she needed with her. You see, before you start investing, you should always make sure you have enough emergency money set up in a separate savings account in case something goes wrong. You never, ever, ever want to be forced into a position where you're reaching for a credit card, going back into debt or having to sell down your investments that you worked so hard to build up because you didn't have emergency money in the first place or knowingly didn't have enough emergency money in the first place. And of course, and of course, paying off debt like Jessica did is important. You tend to focus on getting out of the debt first before you start building up your emergency money. So obviously we didn't know to talk about debt because you already paid it off. It was about emergency money. So how did we work out how much emergency money she actually needed? Well, this is 
this number varies for everyone, just like your financial goals and your definition of financial independence and freedom. So we looked at the real risks in Jessica's life and we worked out that in emergency money, she needed about $30,000. And we came up with this number because we looked at her job security. So what was the likelihood of her facing another redundancy in her job? We looked at what her monthly living expenses were like. Also factoring in, you know, the idea of eventually her moving out from home because that obviously wasn't sustainable for her into the long run. We looked at her health. Uh, we looked at, you know, her financial responsibilities, things that were really important to her. And that's how we came up with that number of $30,000. As I recommended mindful money, emergency money should always sit in a separate online savings account away from temptation. And most importantly, nicknamed emergency money. So if you ever get tempted to go and log into that account and transfer money out of it, it reminds you, this is my emergency money. And if it's not an emergency, you should not be taking money out of that account. I should also point out if you ever do take money out of that account, you should replace it as soon as possible. Emergency monies are there to like get you out of trouble. But again, they must be replenished. You can't just forget about it and go on with life. You must replenish them. So after working out, she needed $30,000 in an emergency account set aside. This meant that we potentially had $36,000 available to start building and help her achieve this goal of $80,000 a year before tax in today's dollars. Now, to get an idea of what $80,000 is in 37 years time, we used the future value calculator with a 2.5% per annum inflation rate on the Sugar Mama website. Now, on the Sugar Mama website, there's a whole range of free calculators available for you. And $80,000 in today's dollars in 37 years time actually works out to be about $200,000 a year. Now, this is one of the big problems with illiterate financial influencers and the FIRE movement is a lot of people forget about tax and they forget about inflation and they tell people to focus their energy on the $80,000 figure. Now, if you're able to build that $80,000 figure in a couple of years, it's not such a big problem. But, you know, 37 years has a big, you know, inflation rate of two and a half percent, which is reasonably conservative, is quite soul destroying if you haven't factored it in because imagine if poor Jessica would just focus on $80,000 she wouldn't have nearly enough of what she needed for her goals and she would be I guess not raising up to her true potential in her financial strategy so it was great that she knew upfront whilst her number was $80,000 her mindful money number the future of that was $200,000 and again anyone can use these calculators they're free for you and you can use an inflation rate of 2.5% or you could do even higher if you want it's completely up to you there's a very rough guide between two and a half to three, sometimes three and a half percent, it is reasonable. We then looked at Jessica's budget. And this is again, why it's so important to have a budget. I mean, there are lots of reasons to have a budget, but one of the most exciting reasons to have a budget is it allows you to work out how much you can afford to contribute towards your financial goals. And, you know, it allows us to start pulling together all the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle and see what, what the picture is going to look like in front of us. And because Jessica had done her budget and she'd done it properly, seriously to the dollar, she'd been so like switched on and proactive and responsible with her cash flow, she knew straight away, I can afford to put $500 per week towards this number one goal of mine. The next thing was to look at investments. And as I said, Jessica had already done her research. She knew her risk profile. She knew she was a high growth investor and she knew she wanted her portfolio, her share portfolio that is, to be 60% asset allocation towards Australian shares and 40%, and I should say Australian shares through listed investment companies, and 40% towards ETFs for her international share exposure. 
So in knowing this, we knew that we had $36,000 ready to invest and that she could contribute $500 per week towards this investment portfolio. We then jumped on another calculator on the Sugar Mama website called the Sweet Spot Dividend Growth Calculator. And this calculator is a guide. It's not advice, but you can play around with it and see what opportunities exist for you and all the different things and different ideas. And it's something you can come back to and plug new numbers in as your situation evolves. And as I said, it's just a guide and you'll see the disclaimer there that it doesn't take into consideration your personal income tax, you know, fees and premiums and so forth. But importantly, it does take into consideration inflation, which is what a lot of people forget about. For Jessica, we entered in her information and it was, it was mind blowing to see actually her goal of having a building a passive income in today's dollars of $80,000 a year so that she could retire at 65, never worrying to ever need, needing to worry about money was actually very achievable. All right, so this is how we use the calculator and this is what I, I'm not gonna say recommend you plug in, but you could use this as a guide. So we typed in into the sweet spot dividend growth calculator, an initial investment of $36,000. We made the monthly additional investment of $2,000 because remember she's got $500 Per week that she could contribute towards it. I made the assumed dividend growth rate 4%. Now you could, this is a funny one. Like if you look at, for example, the listed investment company Whitefield, their dividend growth pre-COVID has actually always been about 5%. But to be conservative, because I prefer to err on the side of caution, I've made it 4%. I've also used an assumed dividend yield of 3.5%. You can play with these numbers, but you know, if again, if you look at, for example, Whitefield, the listed investment company, their dividends are normally between sort of four to 5%. So again, I'm being quite conservative. I've made the assumed reinvestment duration 37 years because Jessica is very happy to reinvest 100% of any passive income she receives from her investment for compounding growth opportunities. And I will also point out, we talked about the idea that she will have to, in due course, factor into her cash flow any income tax payable upon these dividends. Because if you reinvest your dividends, you don't get out of tax. You still have to pay dividends on your tax, which I will point out is another thing that a lot of financial influencers forget to mention to people. Um, I made the inflation rate 2.5%, as I previously mentioned, and I made the assumed growth rate of the shares 3.5%. So if you add the dividend yield of 3.5 and the assumed growth rate of 3.5, you have an average return of 7% over 37 year period. The Australian share market, you know, over the last 80 years, it's actually yielded something like, I think 12 to 13% on average. So my numbers are really conservative here. And again, you always wanna be conservative because it's better to plan for things going wrong and uh, obviously then you get a, a wonderful surprise if things go right because it's only obviously you know extra money for you and you can see this along the way because you always check in on your strategy by following this strategy of $36,000 upfront followed by $500 per week or $2,000 per month always reinvested never spending a dollar of that money and never dropping this strategy never taking a pause from it never cutting it down and obviously factoring into her cash flow any income tax payable along the way. By the time she is 65 years old, she will be able to retire on a passive income of over $209,000 per year, which is in today's dollars actually $82,000 a year. So we slightly exceeded her goal by $2,000 a year. That share portfolio would be worth approximately $5.18 million. 
to be, again, to bring that into today's terms with inflation, which is the equivalent of a $2 million share portfolio. It really is quite incredible. And when you look at these numbers, and you can, you're can, you more than welcome to type in exactly what I'm saying right now so you can see this for yourself. This income only grows. It keeps up with inflation for her. And this is because of the very important factor of the assumed dividend growth rate. That means that the dividends are growing with the growth of the asset. I'll give you an example. Say I buy an investment property worth a million dollars and I rent it out for say a thousand dollars per week or just call it $50,000 a year, so a 5% yield. I need to make sure that I'm putting my rent up each year by the growth of the million dollar property. Because the problem is, is if I don't, that $50,000 a year that I'm getting in rent is not the same as what it's going to be when I'm getting $50,000 a year in 10 years time, because the value of that $50,000, if it's not growing, is going backwards. This is why it's so important to have two dimensional assets. So if you're someone who's investing in property, you wanna make sure that your rents are going up in alignment to the value of your property. And this is, I guess, one of the issues with investment properties, but that's another podcast in itself. But, you know, for Jessica, this was the investment that she chose that she really wanted. And obviously I was wholeheartedly behind it because that's the sugar mama philosophy. And that's what I'm really trying to teach and educate people around. This money should never, ever run out. You see, at age 77, you know, more than 12 years into retirement and full-time retirement, her portfolio is actually still growing. In fact, she's now earning just over $97,000 a year in today's dollars in passive income, which is in, in that time about 335,000. That share portfolio is worth $7.84 million. So that she's never touching the capital. And again, that's worth about $2.28 million in today's dollars. The point I wanna raise here is she's never running out of money. She's never touching the capital. She's never forced to sell anything. She is simply, living off the income. Just like if you had an investment property, you're just spending the rental income. You're not selling part of the property ever. You're just holding it, letting her wealth continue on growing. Now, I wanna remind you, this doesn't factor in income tax. So Jessica was aware that she you know, will have to start paying tax along the way, particularly as the income starts growing over time. And that 100% of these dividends were reinvested. This is a very long-term buy and hold strategy. And of course, there are gonna be fees associated with Listed investment companies and ETFs. They are obviously always disclosed on the website and I can't stress enough, you must do your own research. Don't just go by what you've seen on TikTok or you know on Instagram or YouTube, like do your research. Look for two dimensional assets that are diversified, you know, industries that have been around for a long time and are linked to some value, a tangible value. So there are other things that Jessica also needs to consider and I pointed these out to her and these were, this is obviously a long-term strategy, but you need to take into consideration, you might have time off from work to say, raise a family. And you need to consider whether you can still afford to put $500 per week towards the strategy. You might have to temporarily reduce it or pause it. And that's obviously gonna impact these numbers. You can tweak and change this as much as you like, but obviously there's always going to be a consequence of that. And I didn't say that to force her to say, you must do this for the rest of your life, just to be aware of the consequences of that. There also are risks where she might be say in between jobs you know she might you know have a, another redundancy she'd previously faced she might have health risks and of course you know you can insure from a personal insurance perspective against some of those health risks but these are things that we have to look at with an intelligent informed rational logical mind i also want to point out from the upside any money in above the 500 dollars 
per week is hers. If she got a pay rise, if she got a bonus, if she got a promotion, if she got a tax refund, if she got given some money, if she won some money in the lottery, if she inherited some money, that's all hers to keep, spend. It's her choice. She doesn't need, if she doesn't want to, to put it towards this strategy because this strategy in itself takes care of itself for her. A good financial planner is always about creating choices, creating opportunities so that you're never forced into a position where this is all you can do. And this is the great thing about this. As I said, the important thing here is this strategy helps her income keep up with inflation. She actually gets wealthier and wealthier because remember, at age 65, she retires with a $5.18 million share portfolio and 13 years or 12 years later, you know, she hasn't actually got poorer during retirement. She's actually got wealthier during retirement because that portfolio is now worth $7.84 million. And that income is more than what she was retiring on when she first retired. It's gone from being $82,000 a year to just over $97,000 a year. She's actually getting wealthier and wealthier as old as she gets. And the other important thing to consider is uh, the sleep well strategy, which I talk about in Mindful Money. And that is where as you start to approach retirement, you start putting aside or stockpiling, as I like to say, at least two years worth of living expenses in a separate savings account so that if anything ever happens in the market, whether it be another GFC, another tech crash, another round of COVID, terrorism, war, things that do happen and uh, unavoidable, you've always got two years worth of living expenses set aside. Now, why? Well, history shows that when dramatic events like these happen, it generally takes the share market, not the world, the share market, about 18 months to recover and, and start getting back on track again. By having two years worth of living expenses set aside, what that means is you can afford to, for example, go back into a dividend reinvestment plan and pick up new stocks at a discounted rate. And you can then live off the two years worth of living expenses. And that, you know, I've got a six month buffer in there. That should give you enough time to then obviously look at your income and work out what you want to do. And obviously you can continue on hopefully, and hopefully you can continue on with that strategy. But it's important that of course, diversification is one of these things that helps reduce that risk. I know, you know, the subject of um, crypto and, tech is, is really sexy right now. But before we need crypto and before we need software, we also need to go to the bank, you know, transfer money and wire money and borrow money. We still need to go to the supermarket and buy bread and butter and eggs. We still need to go and see your doctors and we still need to go to pharmacies and buy medicine. So, you know, this is the importance of diversification, you know, invest in blue chip, solid industrial companies, companies and industries that provide goods and services that we need, like build an intelligent portfolio, not a fashionable portfolio or a hot topic herd mentality portfolio. Now, of course, um, there are lots of things that, you know, Jess could do with this strategy. And we touched on them and again, not advice, but I said, you know, if you felt comfortable with it and you understood all the risks and how to intelligently manage these risks, which again, I talk about in Mindful Money, you could look at further down the track if it was right for you, it was right for your risk profile. You could look at, you know, a small gearing component such as incorporating a margin loan into this if you wanted to. And of course, always get personal advice if you're doing that. You could also look at increasing the amount or increasing the initial amount or the regular contributions or changing up the time frame. This is not a set and forget strategy, but it's a great starting place where you can build and evolve from this point on. 
as I said, I can't stress enough. You've got to make sure you're reviewing a strategy, like checking in on a regular basis. I talk about this in Mindful Money. You don't just go, right, investing $36,000 and I'm going to do $500 per week or $2,000 a month and that's it. I'm just going to wake up, enjoy life knowing that that's all I ever need to do and it's going to serve me well. No, 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 no. You've got to review your strategy. You've got to take into consideration income tax. You've got to take into consideration even capital gains tax. You know, I don't ever recommend triggering uh, capital gains tax because it's detrimental to your wealth creation story, which is why I like the long-term buy and hold, but you do need to be smart about this. Also, be aware of what's going on with legislation. Superannuation is a fantastic legal tax effective vehicle to hold your wealth. Your superannuation account is your investment portfolio. It's just simply locked away for your long-term benefit, you know, removing temptation. You've also got to make sure that you can consider, you know, your risk profile. Is this the right type of investment for you? Are you going to be comfortable with this? Do you understand all the risks? Because if you don't understand the risks, you're certainly going to understand the benefits behind it. And of course, you know, Jessica also needs to factor in eventually as she gets closer and closer to retirement, making sure she's stockpiled her sleep well at account with over two years worth of living expenses. But in a nutshell, something so simple, something so easy to do, especially after how far she's come and what she's learned, she potentially could build a $5 million share portfolio, earning the equivalent of you know, well, $200,000 a year, which is about $82,000 in today's dollars, if she wants to. After our conversation, both her and I were so excited to see, you know, the opportunities that are available to her if she wants to. I've checked in with her and I, I can confidently say she's putting all these thoughts and ideas and strategies that we considered and discussed purely from a general advice, educational perspective into action. She's doing her own research doing her own budgets, looking at her own strategy and what she can do right now and how she can tweak and evolve it and let her financial strategy grow and evolve with her. And she has that fantastic thought knowing that no matter what happens, she remains 100% financially independent. She's never going to be reliant on anyone for money and she's only going to become financially stronger and stronger as each year goes by. So for everyone listening, I highly recommend jump on the Sugar Mama website. Play with the calculators. See what you've got to invest, of course, after you've paid off any debts, after you've got some emergency money set up and see what opportunities exist within you. And of course, I highly recommend grab a copy of Mindful Money. There is so many more strategies and ideas and things for you to consider in that book. It's a really powerful book. It's the next level up from the $1,000 project. And I put so much time and energy into this so that you had all the resources right there in your hand and you can literally put it on your bedside table and come back to it whenever you want, when you're ready to tweak and change your strategy. All right, everyone, that's enough from me. Have a fantastic week and thank you so much for listening. And of course, if you get a spare moment, please, 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 can you leave a rating and review because it means so much to me. All right, everyone, have a great week ahead. And also, of course, don't forget to make sure you're following me on Instagram Instagram at SugarMamaTV and of course you can always have a peek inside my normal life at Canna Campbell Official. All right everyone, ciao for now.